I drive zero RB in Dynasty. Pass up a young receiver? Nah, I couldn't be me. My fifth wide receiver, and it's only round seven. Not sure if I'm dead, cause I think this is heaven. Now forget what he said, and listen to me. What you really wanna do is stack those RBs. You can be Linda, just let me be frank. Those RBs on your roster is money in the bank. One says it's awful, the other says it's great. It's time to buckle in for a dynasty debate. Welcome in, welcome in, welcome in episode 118 of the Dynasty Debates, the best kept secret in all of Dynasty Fantasy Football. I am your humble host, as always, Evan Brown, the humblest host in the biz. You can catch me over on Twitter at FFEvanLution. You can follow the show at Dynasty Debates, or you can drop me an email, DynastyDebates at gmail.com. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns about the show, hopefully you are enjoying these divisional breaks. We are wrapping them up this week with amazing guest Ian Hartitz at iHartitz on Twitter, host of the PFF Fantasy Show. We covered off the Tampa Bay Buccaneers already. We are diving straight on into the New Orleans Saints today. And again, just a very quick PSA. This was recorded right at the end of July there, right before I was away on holiday for a couple of weeks. So appreciate your patience. 99% of it's still good. But if we missed one or two little like training camp injuries or something like that, um, or preseason injuries, that is why hopefully you enjoy it get something out of it let me know your thoughts catch you on the flip side the main event fight right we are back again back again talking nfc south we've already covered the buccaneers go back and check that out if you didn't hear it already i am joined with the man the myth the legend ian hartitz this week at iHartitz on twitter go check him out he is the host of the pff fantasy podcast and pff analyst extraordinaire we are going to be diving into the new orleans saints today a lot of changes we're going to give you a little snapshot a little background what happened last year talk about projections for this year and give you some players to think about getting on the squad or getting rid of before the season begins so the new orleans saints finished nine and eight last year second in the division head coach sean payton quote unquote retired from coaching um don't know exactly if that was just him getting sick of this team or actually wanting to retire from coaching pete carmichael stays as the offensive coordinator defensive coordinator dennis allen was promoted to head coach um now they couple other big moves on the offensive side of the ball they did lose tackle teron armstead to miami so that is a big loss um because obviously the offensive line was such a strength there for a long time Ryan Nielsen and Chris Richard were promoted to co-defensive coordinators. Jameis Winston was signed to a two-year, $28 million contract. So it looks like they are riding with famous Jameis there for the next couple of years in New Orleans. Traquan Smith signed a two-year, $6 million contract. And they brought in Andy Dalton, the red rifle himself, on a one-year, $3 million contract to back up Jameis. Uh, Dwayne Washington came in on a one-year deal. They brought in Jarvis Landry on a one-year deal, $3 million. And they drafted Chris Olave, so they actually traded up. They were pretty, uh, pretty adamant. They wanted Olave on the team out of Ohio State. Really good wide receiver. And they brought in UDFA's uh, Rashid Shahid, Abram Smith, and Lucas Kroll. So quite a lot of changes. Um, certainly a lot of different looks than last year. We have that potential. We don't know, quote unquote, suspension hanging over Alvin Kamara. Uh, what are your initial thoughts, Ian? Like, on when you think about the New Orleans Saints, what jumps out to you? Or what are your kind of expectations for 2022? I think they're ready to throw the ball around a little bit again. And, you know, this hasn't been for quite some time. Like this, the early 2010s were a different time. That was when Drew Brees was just, you know, leading the league in passing basically every year. And, you know, they had the 
compete in these constant shootouts because of how bad their defense was. But now that their defense has been solid, man, you go back over the last five years, their pass play rate in non-garbage time situations, 26, 29, tied for 14th in 2019, then 27th, most recently 29th again. So last year with Jameis under center, they were dead last. I'm not saying they're going to become this top 10 unit necessarily, but you look at it like, why, why wouldn't they be dead last last year? Like, look at those wide receivers that were, they were being trotted out there. You know, they had basically just give the ball to Alvin Kamara on the ground more than ever to make up for it. Tight end room, you know, God, God love Adam Troutman didn't work out guys, but, uh, Maybe it still could. He's a young tight end. Who knows? But not many weapons were on that field last year, so I think it made sense for them not to throw the ball all around. But trading up for Chris Olave, Michael Thomas, you know, Nick Underhill has been optimistic about him coming back all throughout the offseason. So hopefully he's back out there on the field. And even getting Jarvis Landry involved. Like, okay, maybe we've already seen his best days. But still, man, like Jarvis Landry would have been by far the best wide receiver on this team last year. Kenny Stills was unironically getting routes on this team in the year 2021. So it is good news for uh, Jameis Winston, someone that we have seen, you know, obviously flirt with some big performances over the years. And you know, don't look now, but he actually flashed uh, quite a bit in terms of PFS big time throw rate metric last season in his short time under center while limiting his turnovers much better than we've seen in the past. So this is going to be a fun experience for Jameis. I, don't, I think the defense is going to be really, really, really good. Like they're not going to be in these shootout situations where Jameis is going to be pushing for, you know, 5,000 yards again. At least I don't think so. Uh, but at a minimum, man, I think we can see this be a bit more of a balanced team and potentially enable two fantasy relevant wide receivers in terms of Michael Thomas and Chris Olave. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think to your point, you know, it's it's funny because in our heads, we just get so used to these certain impressions of teams like the Saints. We just, I, mean, I think for so long, obviously, um, we just, you know, love seeing them throw the rock around and, you know, Michael Thomas, you know, being such a stud out there and things like that. But when you start digging into it, so we like, I like to look at the kind of underlying stats from last year. To your point, they were 25th in pace of play, very slow, very plodding, very kind of just, you know, going about their business. 23rd in BVOA, so really not good. Um, that's just defensive adjusted value over average. Again, if you haven't been listening, um, that's just, we don't want to, I don't want to be too jargony. It's just an advanced statistic looks at like all the circumstances the team found themselves in and how well they performed how badly they performed given those circumstances it also looks at things like actual points that they've scored and things like that so 23rd not great bottom third but again Jameis got injured after six weeks last year they had a just absolute rotating door of quarterbacks trevor simeon um i'm pretty sure they asked if i could play quarterback one week i was busy they had literally I think we were excited about little Jordan Humphrey at one stage last year as a potential wide receiver for them. So it was just not a great time um, in new Orleans. And then again, if we're looking at like, what did, you know, was there any success on the ground, any success through the air, looking at success rates from last year, a play is considered successful when it gains at least 40% of yards to go on first down, 60% of yards to go on second down or a hundred percent of yards to go on third or fourth down. They were 44% successful with their run, which was 29th. 42% in the air, which is 29th and 43% total, which is 30th. So as, as you can see, I think we're painting a picture here. It was not pretty. It was not good. That could be very much part of the reason why Sean Payton decided to ride off into the sunset, at least for now. And to Ian's point from earlier, I always like to look at like, what were the, what was the target volume like and how did they distribute those targets? They were 31st in target volume. Um, just for those keeping score at home, there's 32 teams in the NFL. Mm -hmm. That is not good. That is no bueno. 31st in target volume, only 445 pass attempts in total 28th 
in percentage of passes to the wide receiver at 52.8%. But again, we've kind of addressed that. There was some absolute just garbage bins out there um, catching passes. First, in targets to the running back at 28.8%. Alvin Kamara is an absolute stud, as we know, and 24th to the tight end at 18.4%. Now, I did look into it just quickly there for the time when um, James Winston was under center versus when he wasn't. And to be honest, the numbers weren't vastly different. It was They were they were actually 32nd in target volume in weeks one to six, so even worse. Um, but again, it was Sean Payton. I think they were having a great defense. They were managing the game. They knew they didn't have a lot on offense as far as wide receiver. So I think you're right, Ian. I think that, you know, I doubt that they become a top 10 passing offense, but it could be very much a situation where they come closer to the middle of the pack, which would obviously be great for us for fantasy. Um, as far as their offensive line, it is maybe a slight concern there. I think at the end of the year last year, they were around 18th in your guys' final score, final grade, um, which isn't great. Um, and then this year in the projections, it looks like PFF's given them around 21st. So not great, not terrible, but I think with offensive lines, you can get away with it if it's just middle of the road. As long as it's not awful, as long as there's not any major glaring holes in it. Um, but any of those numbers, anything there jump out at you uh, that you wanted to extrapolate there, Ian? Or can I just ask, what is your sort of, you know, we've hinted at maybe a couple guys we're kind of excited about, but what would your confidence level be for these fantasy pieces in your in your actual fantasy football team going into 2022? It's tough to be overly confident about just about anyone here. I mean, I think I give the Buccaneers like a 9.5. This one's got to be closer to like a three just because of the looming Alvin Kamara potential suspension. They're going to have that hearing here. I think it was August 1st, maybe August 3rd. But the problem is, as we saw with Dalvin Cook's case, they can hopefully just – Hopefully for them, just keep getting get pushed back. And the way the NFL is kind of doing these things lately is that they're going to wait for the entire investigation to be over with before actually coming down and making a decision on it. So not a given. And there is allegedly video. So what happens if a video gets leaked, you know, right before the season? I'm sure we could see the NFL speed up their decision making as uh, they've tended to do in the past when video evidence is involved. But that whole situation's murky accordingly. They worked out Jordan Howard today. Like I just have my handcuffed tears go up. And as much as I want to give Mark Ingram a bigger nod because we did see it in two games last year man the guy's 33 they keep they keep working out more and more running backs like I just even if Mark Ingram would be the lead I have a really hard time thinking he'll get that 70 80 percent snap rate that to be fair he did get in two games last year without Alvin Kamara but that's murky. The Michael Thomas injury thing's murky. You know, is are, are they going to pass the ball more? We think they probably will, but that's a little bit murky. Is this offense even going to be that good anymore without Sean Payton in charge? That's murky. So obviously a Jameis Winston experience, Taysom Hill switching to tight end and can still vulture everyone. Yeah, man, like it. A lot of good players potentially. There's a high. There's still a ceiling here, but there's also a pretty low floor. Yeah, I I tend to agree with pretty much everything you've said there. I I probably yeah I would give it a sub five you know probably have four and a half or something like that because i feel like there is going to be a couple of pieces but man it is feels a little bit like a dart throw to know which piece is going to hit for your dynasty team so if we're trying to transition here to talk some actual player values um if you had to or if you were going to go out and you had your dynasty squad and you wanted to get one of these players who is it you're trying to maybe get on board maybe get a cheap deal on before the season begins I know I wrote Michael Thomas on a lovely show sheet, but for dynasty purposes, I got to side with you here, Chris Alave. I would be buying yes. Michael. I would be buying Michael Thomas in redraft at this point, though, because he's going outside the top forty uh, wide receivers right now in best ball. Yeah. and then I, I just think once we hear. Hey man, first or last, like if we want Michael Thomas and you can get him as your wide receiver four, or wide receiver five at this range, like if we can get the 
certain good health, which is a big if. Like that's why he's down <laughs> here. But if if he if he gets off the pup list, he's in training camp. He's expecting to be a week one starter, and everything's good. Like you could argue he's a low end wide receiver too. Like right away with the upside for even more. Like just looking at this offense, like Jameis Winston is a hell of a lot better fantasy friendly quarterback than a lot of other ones uh, throughout the league. So we'll keep that in mind and redraft. But I love recalling Olave. Like seeing him as the wide receiver twenty six. I it just. What is he this low? Was he ranked this low because of his like broken tackle numbers? Since when do any of us give it about a wide receiver like really breaking tackles, man? Like, yeah, it's good and it's fun when Debo does it, but watch Olave's highlights, man. He was the Ohio State deep threat where he's usually just gliding past dudes or running straight past them. Like, they didn't ask him to break many tackles, and I know it's an alarmingly low number, but man, when you got Garrett Wilson, Jackson Smith, and the Jigba to toss the ball to, or instead, I do think uh, adding that context makes sense and again just watch you know the free what, what, put the game tape on you see the route running uh technician out there and comparing him just specifically against the rest of the wide receivers like right now man uh i haven't checked my underdogs exposure recently but for uh, the while Ohio State life we're here, so keep that in mind. But I do have McLaurin and uh, Alave as my actually top two highest owned wide receivers. So I just think both guys are being priced a lot closer to their floor than ceilings. Like you look at Alave, his worst case basically this year is as the number two with Jameis Winston at QB. You look at Drake London, way worse QB situation. He's dealing with Kyle Pitts. Garrett Wilson is dealing with Elijah Moore, Corey Davis, and Zach Wilson. Jameson Williams, hurt slash Jared Goff slash Amon Ross St. Brown, even Jahan Dotson, Traylon Burks. You know, we're talking about more quarterback questions, less so with Tannehill, but that's more of a run first offense. Like you could argue out of all of the first round rookie wide receivers, Alave has the most fantasy friendly quarterback and arguably the best chance to lead his entire team and targets, depending on what happens with Michael Thomas. So I think, you know, he's a guy that just led set the record for receiving touchdowns at Ohio state. Maybe this guy has a little bit more upside than we're giving credit for. Like just ask the saints who traded up to get us the 11th overall pick in the first place. Yeah, no, I, I love, I love all that because that's kind of the stuff I was going to bring up. So thanks for stealing my thunder. Ian, I appreciate that. Um, but yeah, no, exactly. All time leading uh, touchdown to score and Ohio state, I, in my opinion, the best route runner in this class that we just had. I mean, dude is smooth like butter, not to steal a catchphrase from a famous song, but man, he is good. And I think that, you know, you're right. I think people just got it in their heads that uh, he's not as good as Garrett Wilson and he's not as good as this, that guy, this guy, that guy. And then even though they traded up for him, I think everyone's freaked out by Jameis Winston experience. So 100% wide receiver, 26 prices. I feel like you're sort of getting him at his floor. I feel like he could easily be wide receiver 26 or 30 this year as a rookie. You know what I mean? Like there's an absolute chance that could happen because to your point, if Michael Thomas is struggling at all, I mean, dude's going to get 130, 140 targets. You know what I mean? Like even if they stayed at that horrible pace, there were still almost 250 targets. I don't think you're going to funnel 150 targets to Jarvis Landry this at this stage in his career necessarily. But I agree, man, 100%. I am all about getting some Chris Olave because I just think he's going to go up. If he hasn't, I, I could easily see where he's the most, you know, fantasy relevant rookie wide receiver this year. So I absolutely agree with that. What about then? Do you have a goodbye? See you later. Get me out of here. Uh, I've got you a one-way ticket to paradise. Who are you getting off your squad before you can just have to drop them on the waiver wire? I don't think Jarvis Landry is really worth going out of your way to get at all. I just don't really know where the upside in this offense is coming from. When he has won throughout his career, it's just been as the Dolphins undisputed one or as the Browns undisputed one. And I think he filled in admirably. But, you know, when you look at kind of him throughout his career, I kind of look at him almost – 
I don't even know if he's had quite the career of T.Y. Hilton. I think they've had similar ones, but I think you'd love them to be an overqualified wide receiver too. I'm not so sure Landry's even still at that point. He certainly projects as their three in an offense that we're hoping is going to pass the ball more. Uh, but just with uh, Jameis again, I, I see Jameis still continuing to keep that high eight, you know, really leaning more into Chris Olave down the field. And honestly, you got to wonder if a lot of the things that Landry does well, will just kind of be more so funneled to Michael Thomas and kind of his status as the offense's uh, obvious alpha. And that's not, I'm not trying to do any slant boy slander here everyone i hate that storyline we're gonna get it soon michael thomas man going into last season out of 100 plus qualified receivers yeah he was first in yards per out run on slant he was also second in comebacks and hitches he's six in in posts and crossing routes like if you actually look at his like catch percentage on passes thrown at least 20 yards downfield fourth highest mark among 64 qualified wide receivers on catchable passes so i'm excited to see what michael thomas can do with an actual quarterback that can throw the football down the field. That's the other part we never even mentioned with him. Like he got late career noodle arm jubries, whatever the hell we're going to call Taysom Hill. And like Teddy Bridgewater, at like really close to coming off of his injury. None of these guys can throw the ball in anything like a, a, a worth a damn downfield the way Jameis can, which is a flick of his wrist. So yeah, Jarvis Landry, I just think that we've probably seen his best days already. And this is going to be easily the most uh, competition he's ever really had to get targets arguably in an offense that's not going to be throwing the ball as much. Yeah, I agree. I think I think Jarvis Landry, especially with this Michael Thomas, sort of like is he, will he, won't he, if you can capitalize on any of that buzz and and ship Jarvis Landry out for something, I think that's a good shout because um, you just don't know how much this offense is going to pass. You don't know how relevant he's going to be for fantasy. He'll, he could either be the second on a fairly low passing volume or the third on a fairly medium passing volume. doesn't sound great either way. My sort of goodbye is actually Michael Thomas, and it's just because, man, I'm freaked out at this stage for Dynasty. I'm like, man, this yeah. guy's been been i've got him on a couple rosters it's been nightmare it's been terrible it's been bad news bears um i would love for there to be some camp buzz to come out that he should be ready week one because i would love to get rid of him um he's coming in still the crazy thing is he's coming in around wide receiver 43 in dynasty which is about what he's coming in redraft i don't understand that like you would think that people in dynasty would be more freaked out and be a little bit like shire on him but i think people are just remembering they've just got that the glory days in their head um they love it they can't wait for the resurgence and so if you could capitalize on that i my personal recommendation would be to do that because even if he comes back if he comes back and he's only 70 percent of himself and he's going to be 29 to 30 or whatever james winston we don't know what we're getting out of him we don't know what we're getting out of this offense i just think you should sell you know get out while the getting's good um but what about a sneaky stash we've talked about it being a weird kind of awkward offense and we're not sure what to expect do you have anybody you are sort of poking around the waiver wires or trying to get thrown into a deal you think could maybe provide a little boost I think Jameis would be pretty interesting uh, depending on where his ADP is going. Cause I think this is a guy and you know, this is based on my bold prediction for the season, but I think Jameis with a full year under his belt could reestablish himself as, you know, the sort of top, 20 to 25 quarterback in the league that we're going to continue to see to start uh, for several seasons down the stretch. So, I mean, you look at the last Tampa Bay season, obviously you can't be throwing 30 interceptions and exactly, uh, you know, love to tell the story about it um, in the NFL, but man, 
Saints really did seem to bring out a different version of him last year. He got to sit under behind Drew Brees, learn from Sean Payton uh, for a couple years. So I do think that we could see, you know, LASIK Jameis actually go out there and just be a more consistent version of the gunslinger that we still know and love. So no, he never, even in um, 2019, you know, it, it wasn't like he finished as the overall QB one. I think he was like QB eight on a per game basis. So doesn't really run enough to ever be this super elite quarterback, but would it be the most surprising thing ever if Jameis kind of starts to be more in like the Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr tier of things, you know, in a few years. So I think that's possible. And it's someone that, you know, right now is being grouped with, you know, like I, I'd much rather throw a dart like at Jameis and, you know, someone we'll get to here in a little bit and like Mar then Marcus Mariota or one of these other quarterbacks that has, you know, unfortunately lost their starting job at one point or another. Jameis got his job taken by Tom freaking Brady and he came to play for like Jameis could have gone elsewhere and got a chance to start. He chose to work behind Drew Brees. So he got the chance to start last year, which was going really well until he got hurt. So like when you look at the last three years for Jameis, even though we've only seen him for about six or seven starts, it's been a good time. And the guys he was not starting in front of were Tom freaking Brady. Okay. There was Taysom Hill for a second, but that was, that's more Sean Payton's fantasy thing. And when actually forced to pick a guy for like the extended season, even Sean Payton picked Jameis over Taysom uh, going into last year. So I really do think that uh, Jameis former, 101 pick like he does have the potential worst case like to be someone like a Carson Wentz Baker Mayfield where they're still going to get chance after chance to start because we have seen enough highs from them to warrant that yeah I think in a super flex league you're right he's coming in right now as QB 24 so he's coming in literally at the rock bottom of a QB 2 price and I think that he'll return value on that he should anyways even just like you said as a mid-tier sort of QB 2 in a super flex league and you should be able to get hopefully at least two years of starting out of him maybe more depending on how this goes but yeah you said your so your bull prediction Jameis reestablishes himself as a legitimate starting quarterback in the NFL I love it I'm all about that I um I think my bull prediction will just be I like Chris Olave a lot and I feel like people have really disrespected him so I'm just gonna say he's the most productive rookie wide receiver this year for fantasy I I'm just gonna go out there and say that because I think he is he's a stud and people have been disrespecting Mr. And Olave it's weird man the disrespects like how, how come he was like statistically the third leader in receiving yards at Ohio State like where's that where are those people with jameson williams having to transfer to go get a starting job because he got beat out by alave garrett and jackson smith and jigba at ohio state and I, i'm not sitting here trying to slander jameson but those people man like I, again this is one of these things uh i think we brought up earlier about like the leonard fournette weighing 260 uh versus derrick henry weighing 260 like there's just these certain things in the course of an offseason when we talked about all these players where uh you do need to be mindful that you're not holding one particular thing too much against one guy and not keeping that same energy uh with another man so yeah, and just out of all these guys too, like it's I get a lot of uh I get Calvin Ridley esque kind of honestly, I think they play a little bit similar as well. But the Ridley Alave comp is great for me because it's one of these guys where it's almost everyone agrees that like they could be a legit like they're a ready to go wide receiver two in a real life NFL offense, probably a fantasy like wide receiver three with the upside for a little more. But there's like slight questions about their ceiling. Like, I don't know, maybe if these guys are freaking 21, 22, and we're already that convinced that they can be, a, I know Ridley was a little bit older, so excuse me there, but you know, 
these like route running technicians that maybe you're just like a little bit concerned about like their overall just dynamic ability with the ball in their hands. Like, man, in the year 2022, just with the way how separation is mattering more and more and more, uh, and we're actually getting, I think, more volume to make up for that lack of uh, just big playability with the ball in their hands, which, again, I think is kind of subjective in its own right. Uh, yeah, all the Chris will love it. Love it. There you go. New Orleans Saints in the bag. Got some players for you to go get. Get some Chris Olave on your squad. And uh, yeah, make sure and join us again tomorrow when we are going to be talking the Atlanta Falcons. I drive zero RB in Dynasty. Pass up a young receiver? Nah, I couldn't be me. My fifth wide receiver and it's only round seven Not sure if I'm dead cause I think this is heaven Now forget what he said and listen to me What you really wanna do is stack those Arby's You can be Linda, just let me be frank Those Arby's on your roster is money in the bank One says it's awful, the other says it's great It's time to buckle in for a dynasty debate